How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, people. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Season 3 of Better Let Let Me Tell tell you. You. And then it's like, it's like oh, oh, but I've, I'm always in La Casa. It's like oh, <laughs> flooding. And then when it's when when it's not raining and you have to go outside, la humedad. Wait, is it me or has it been more flooding this year than usual? Uh, yeah, but you know, climate change doesn't exist, well, especially at this time of the year. But okay, that's about the sewers. You know, maybe the Ninja Turtles have just had it. Mm. And April is like, get out of here. She's not going to cover it. She's not covering it well, anymore. With that. <laughs> On that very, very not fictional note, welcome to episode <laughs> 135. 135. How is everybody, Beto Friday? Happy uh, Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday indeed. I think we're on day 6,412 of the election recount. Yes, and we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. We have a full packed episode. Yes, we yes. will get to that. Um, oh boy, will we get to that. And, um, but I want to, I want to actually leave that to like the end because okay. I feel, you know, we've been very politically heavy. That's in the last true. Couple I'm of over the, I'm over politics. Like well, I'm, I'm done. Well, you shouldn't be. I'm done. You shouldn't be because that's I'm exhausted. People in, in trouble. So, I'm exhausted. So how is everybody? How is everybody's week? Thank you for coming back. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you in South Florida, it's been a wet week. It's been a wet week. Laeta. Oh my God, Laeta. Laeta. We're on the Greek alphabet. That's what this was. 
Oh, really? Yeah, that's why it was like Eta. We already went through the whole alphabet. It was Tropical Storm Eta. We're in the Greek I alphabet. I hadn't even thought about it. You know, coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. You're like, okay, whatever. We're just making shit up now. So, yeah. okay. So, there's something I wanted to discuss okay. that I saw in the news. And when I immediately saw it, I thought about you. Okay. Viste lo que pasó a la Britney? What happened to Britney? Oh, you didn't hear? I told you, I am on a news, like, blackout. The judge. Like, her album. The judge did not remove her father from the conservatorship. But he did, I know that he got rid of the manager. Right, but the problem was in the manager. No, no, but James got rid of the manager. Yes, and she wanted the manager. Oh, she wanted the manager yes, and not did. James. Yes. Ah. Um, Jamie. Jamie uh, That's Spears. Right. She did not remove it. And Britney Spears and her, um, her attorney said that she will not perform until he is removed. Really? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know that... Now, that, my first question, when they say perform... Does that mean doing an album? You know, Oh, I'm more concerned about, does that mean no more Instagram? Because that's entertaining as hell. Well, no. I, <laughs> okay, I imagine okay. she probably means you know, recording an <laughs> like album, tours promotion, and, touring, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. residency, that she will not. You know, I... I don't laugh at the Britney Spears thing. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, because it's very something's easy to going laugh. on there. Because you know, at the end of the day, you know, she is a human being, and and I feel terrible for her. I My concern about that, which I think it's most people's concern, is that that type of conservatorship is very rare. Like it's usually temporary. It's temporary, but it's been going on for twelve years. Right. Unless so, she's consistently like so in, here, the, my, my, in a mental my health facility is, or something. There has to be something there that we don't know. You know, something right. regarding some type of mental illness that they found in her. Because I know a lot of times people like look at her wacky Instagram posts mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. right? But you have to remember that when she did all her Vegas residencies, she was under the she was under the, the conservatorship. Um, the conservatorship. When she did the um, X Factor, she was under that. She's released all these albums, and she was very like put together. Like very right. she was on a, on a path. Yes, right. She was very professional. You know, man, she did hundreds of shows in Vegas. You got to be on your A game to right, like, right, do right, that right. without canceling and stuff like that. Yeah, because she never really canceled. No, she didn't, and she she's been yeah. very busy. Yeah, right. You know. Um, in the last 10 years, she's mm-hmm. been extremely busy. So I wonder seriously now she's, if you look at her Instagram, she's a little loopy, but for, but she's always been kind of wacky. I mean, the, she's always been a for nerd. 10 of the 12 years that she's had this conservatorship. She's been very much seemingly quote unquote. Okay. Okay. Or on her A game and right. working and right, right, has right, right. her stuff together. Focused. Seems focused. Exactly. So, if even during that time it wasn't removed, it makes it begs the question, what do we don't know? Right, what don't we know? She yeah. has to have some type of mental illness, like maybe schizophrenia, uh, maybe bipolar 2, yeah. um, well, I'm sorry, bipolar 1, um, some type of that... Some well, type of mental a illness couple of years ago, Federline got full custody of the kids. Right, that's which, another which thing. is another thing which that is I odd because I siempre estaba con los niños. Yes, which is that's why I believe you know, and especially because it's medical, so it's you know, it's it's, it's HIPAA, not privy, it's private, right? It's, it's not privy to be you know Publicized. public. Um, but ahí pasa algo, ahí pasa algo, and the fact that her mom and her her like siblings are cut out of this, and they've tried. To get mm-hmm. because her mom tried to get involved this time around. Oh yeah, and she wasn't able to. So, I I pasa algo. Yeah, I pasa algo. I just I hope she's okay. Yeah, I just hope she's okay. At the end of the day, I mean, 
I, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a slight Britney fan, a little bit, but I'm also one of those Britney fans who's like, I'm not, you know, blind to things. So it's not like I'm, I'm not on the free Britney bandwagon necessarily no. because I don't know, I don't know enough. You know what I mean? I mean listen, like, the argument uh, again, outwardly, the argument right. can be made that her dad, at a certain time point in time, Had somebody to needed in. to take control of her shit right because in 2007 as we know oh. she kind of went bonkers oh. you know whether you know and and and, and you I guys think, think 2020 is hard 2007 and, and, and was I difficult think that, for you me know, she had a lot of reasons to you know right, 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 right. because anybody who was in the situation that she was in back then would have cracked under pressure as well okay. but again it's been 12 years so i mean i'm not an expert in that mm-hmm. so i but what i do know and what i've read i mean again for you to have a conservatorship over you, it means it, it needs to be that legally you can't take care of yourself. You can't take care of yourself. Right. That's kind of like having a guardian over you, or a, you know, a ward. If you're a ward of the state, but that's different. Right. Um, so it's we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. No, I just, I just hope she's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want her to be better. So because we haven't so, even gotten a, a perfume from her. I mean, what kind of fantasy am I supposed to have in 2020? No, but they <laughs> did release a B side of hers this week. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, available only in Urban Outfitters. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. It doesn't, you know, nowadays it's like, I mean, do you stop and realize that like these major, major like recording artists, like Taylor Swift, you know, I know right. you don't like her, but, but she's like, a major artist. She's yeah, a yeah. Major, I mean, they, their exclusives are our target. Well, but that would make sense because that's like a huge right, retailer. But, but right, but you would think that back in the day that it would have been like a, a major music house. True. It's funny. I was thinking about that the other day. I forgot what I was watching. Which, by the way, Amoeba Music in LA has closed. Oh, I know. Our, you know, our condolences. I know. One of the But last... they're moving somewhere else. I think they're changing location. It's a different... Obviously, it's a smaller location and all that, but I think they are. They found another location. You know, that location was kind of like the point of it, right? Yeah, I know. That's the whole so, point. But, Amoeba um, Music, rest in peace. Yeah, At least for now. Well, speaking of rest in peace, Alex Trebek is that, passed. You know what? That hurt. That hurt more than I thought it was going to hurt. That hurt up there with Regis. Yeah. Yeah, it did. In a way that I... Yeah, like... I knew I'd be like, ay, pobrecito, you know. And, and obviously, he had pancreatic cancer, so... We knew that it was a matter of time, but it was like, oh, like the world feels a little darker. You know why? Because Alex Trebek, similar to Regis, it's not only that we grew up watching him on Jeopardy. Alex Trebek, for how reserved he was, and even stoic, he was very original too. There's only one Alex Trebek. That's true. That is true. And he's from that, that time when people were game show hosts yeah like i was thinking about this the other day actually i was thinking when like it he, was when, like a career game right show like when he passed away i started thinking about it but i also started thinking about that's how like now every celebrity because of corona has a podcast mm-hmm. like i just found out that kate hudson and oliver hudson have a podcast oh sure why not um but like you know now when you have a game show it's like a uh, jane lynch is hosting a uh, uh, the on the supermarket sweep um you know chris harris like they're not just hosts it's right. like these it's actors celebrities, celebrities who right. are doing this and i think that there's an art form to hosting and you know what I, I, we've mentioned this a couple times this this year no shade to her at all but you know now that we're almost done with dancing with the stars like i don't like tyra as a host of dancing with the stars because i think that to be a good host 
you have to be able to shine the spotlight on the contestants and on the thing that you're hosting. It's oddly, it's not about you, even though because you're the only constant, it becomes it about you. Yeah. Well, but that's and that's actually, not easy. That, that's that's a great way of tying it back to Alex Trebek because Alex Trebek never tried to steal a show. But Alex Trebek was Jeopardy. There was never a doubt that it was his show. Right, right, right. And he couldn't have been more demure. <laughs> like, yeah, well, he's also Canadian, so you know that helps. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, like when he shaved off his mustache, it was like a huge thing. Yeah, you know? seriously. And he was so like again quiet and demure about it. But there was something unique about Alex Trebek, and it's it, it's interesting because if you look at it, it's not like he was funny. It's not like he was... He wasn't even like necessarily dry humor. He was right. just himself. He, yeah, and it was kind of comforting in a way. Yeah. And, and it was very uniquely him. Th- that's why a lot of times when people... B- people become so popular and they're unique at something and you don't really know why. And that's part of like the... The, the it factor? The, the it factor. Yeah. You, you don't really know why, but... But it makes sense. <laughs> I just... I mean, I hope that show continues because... It will. Um, they, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. I know that his last show is going to air on Christmas day. Mm-hmm. I think, and I actually think that this was something that's been in the works for a while. A couple months back, Ken Jennings actually became one of the producers on the show. Mm-hmm. So, and Ken Jennings has been doing some hosting on the game show network. Mm-hmm. So I think he's probably going to transition into the host. But have you heard that he is? No, no, no. I'm just saying that it makes sense. I mean, mm. Fair, look, no. Whoever steps in is gonna be eh, because I just think he, he doesn't really. I don't mean this as an insult. He doesn't have camera presence at all. I don't disagree with you, but I think that he will at least if they pick him, it'll make sense. You know what I mean? Like, you you can't just bring in like, I don't know, Ryan Seacrest. You know what I mean? You 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 have to bring in somebody who I think that you who people feel comfortable in, with. I think you could bring in somebody who's known. For intellect, and like a Ben Stein, no, no Ben Stein. Ben Stein is too old already for that show. But somebody who's like known for being f- smart, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, that's too smart. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so you see, it's hard. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I love Anna, but I don't know that that I don't know if she's the right fit it's, it's a, for the Jeopardy of it all. Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Speaking of speaking of Miss Navarro, well, not really about her, but <laughs> we're going to use her as a transition. I was thinking the other day because I know you don't really watch sports, but you know that um, the NFL has oh, Dolphins. Continued. They're doing really well. Uh, really. That's when you chime in. Listen, they're doing well. And the only constant that I've seen this year between all of our teams doing well is that nobody has been in the audience to watch them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all of our teams have done well this year. They have, I'm saying. You know, and I was thinking, I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder how the Super Bowl, because technically there has to be a playoff. Right, the winners. There has to be a Super Bowl, whether they do a Super Bowl or not, you know. That's a big game. Right, there has to be a game. And I was thinking, I wonder if they're going to do a halftime show or whatever. I thought of you. I thought of you. Abel. El fin de semana. With the weekend. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm good with this. <laughs> I, I, the minute that I saw it, I was like, 
I know that no matter what else happened today, Darian's happy. Because I was like, tu era, that after Jennifer Lopez and... Uh, you where know, do you go from there, really? I mean, not, that's... Not where you, do you go, but... That's a big spectacle. But there was a lot of shit. The NFL got a lot of shit for having two Latino women. Right. Because God forbid two Latino women, you know. <laughs> God forbid that. we have representation. So I was, so I was like, you know, maybe they're going to kind of go a little bit more country next year. Reba like, or something. Tu they're going to have like... What's the name? Billy <laughs> Nosh... Uh, Billy... A, a Crosby, Nash, and Still. Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Me, I think two of them are dead. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, so they're going to have that, and I'm going to be like, okay, well, pass the dip. <laughs> or, or something like that. And I'll... Oh. I've really tried to like country music. I really have. But you, don't, you don't like any of it at all? The country music that I like is not really country music. I don't mm. think... There's like, for example, I love... From Tim McGraw, I love um, "Live Like You Were Dying." Right, right. The uh, song that he did with the Nelly. Song um, over and be over. Be humble and kind. Okay. There's a few songs of him that I like. Right, right. But he's like pop country, and not you know his wife even man. No, no, yeah. Wife I'll be like, I'll be know, You might as well just say Shania Twain. If there's dance remixes to your song, <laughs> you're not really that country. <laughs> and. Yeah, and as much as Dolly is country, Dolly's Dolly. She's her own right, genre. Exactly. Yeah. And we went to see Dolly Parton and we loved her. But I feel that Dolly Parton, although it's country, she's an act on herself. Like, right, right, right. She has. She's in a whole other strategy. She surpassed genre. I've really liked to... I really made an effort to like country because I, you know, I've said this, I love songwriting like and, to and me, country music so, is all about and it that is what country music is but yeah. i just i can't i that twang i just i can't i'd rather hear jewel yodel <laughs> she I, did a country album too i know and so did jessica simpson <laughs> that's true the only person who would do a country album and i would be interested to okay. see what that sounds like would be uh kelly clarkson Okay, that's fair. Okay, Mariah Carey has country songs. She does? Yes, she does. Mariah Carey did a movie called Tennessee. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which um, she did two country songs. One of them is with Willie Nelson. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even get into those songs. Okay, so listen, if Mariah can't make it happen for you, then you know what? Hasta llego la she cosa. Didn't make it happen. She and, and she has a whole song about making it happen. Yeah. So yeah, it she was... had like two songs from that soundtrack, and I was like, yeah. not good. I mean, I have them downloaded, but you know, whatever. Right, right. You know, um, so but Kelly Clarkson would be interesting because let's let's face it, she's, Kelly she's country can do anything. That's true. and she is country. Like she's she's southern. Yeah, she could do anything. She could be a game show host, a talk show host, an American Idol winner, a judge. A kick-ass singer, a great performer. You know what I love about her? You know that she, she, um, in most of her shows, she'll do a cover. She does a different cover every show. So, like, there's covers galore. Oh, no, she? And actually, I think she puts it to the vote. Like, when she's touring, mm-hmm. she has, I think on Twitter, people suggest. No, no, and, and she does covers on her yeah, every time show. Yeah, she opens with a cover. Yeah, and it's like, how can, can we have this, Which like, a compilation? Which is smart, because I don't think that Kelly Clarkson... I, most people who start a talk show start with a monologue, and I don't think that that would be a strength for her. No. So it makes sense for her to go with her strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Did she ever get to launch her Vegas residency? I don't think so. <laughs> but then again, neither did Britney. But That's true. Yeah, but Britney already had one. So bueno, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, I've gained a little bit of weight in the pandemic, but that's kind of cruel. So the election and the, listen, we're only talking about the election more 
because of the president. If not, we wouldn't be we, talking about we it. We would anymore. have been gone already. We like, already yeah. had our election our election news yeah. extravaganza yes. episode. And even though in this episode we are going to be speaking to a reporter from the New Yorker who's actually writing a piece on like Latino voters and you know it's something that that I think we've seen a lot of lately. Um, where, you know, like we, we said, you and I have been saying like beating the drum forever where it's like, well, but they're not a monolith, you know? And it's like, no, they're not. So I'm, I'm sure she'll, mm-hmm. she'll dig into that a little bit, a little bit more. So, so let me ask you mm-hmm. from a more lay perspective. Sí, porque tú estás encasquetado en CNN all day long. I... <laughs> you am, are, you I are. Sort of am. I'm, and it, it's not it's, healthy. It's between CNN uh, PBS. No, it's CNN. Then PBS, you go. Then you NBC. go. Then you go to the View for your hour. Right. Then you go back. <laughs> right. And then NBC. I, I watch NBC. Right. And PBS. Uh-huh. I watch PBS. And then you know I go online and watch BBC. Right. Because I always watch the BBC. Right. Because it you, cannot be good for your mental health. No, but I love it. <sighs> that doesn't mean it's good for your mental health. People love meth. Listen, it doesn't mean it's good for them. I can't feel my face when I'm watching the news, but I love it. Okay, that song is about cocaine. <laughs> Again, well, some people, people love it, but it's not good for them. I watch the news. Okay, but it's not good Especially for them. Especially political stuff. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, um, okay, from a lay perspective, what is your take on all this that's going on? So none of it's surprising. Um, you know, I I will say I, I've been taking like a, a news sabbatical. I mean, I'm not a news junkie the same way that you are. Um, but I've been taking a bit of a sabbatical in the sense that like literally with the results... I would literally just go on Google and I'd be like, election results. They had a little chart and I would look at the chart and I'd be like, okay. And then I'd go back and I'd go on to my own thing, right? Because I know that outside of that, the only thing that you're going to hear is, you know, this is fraud and this is wrong and we're still waiting and where's the count and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? Para oír a todo mundo gritar y dar la misma vuelta por una semana, all I need to know is a number. Okay. And take it from there. So I, 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 I... I tune in here and there just so that I'm not completely ignorant of what's going on. But I, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Mm. I can't do it. So, the, and this, I get more of my news from Billy Corbin lately than I probably this should. This is the type of stuff that like you can't make up. You heard about the thing with the press conference, right? Oh, at the Four Seasons landscape. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, and in similar news. Um, we're actually next week recording at Versailles, not the French one, not the restaurant, the abandoned house that that lady has a documentary about. Well, there we go. Yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) that is amazing. Amazing that that happened. I have so many questions about that. (laughs) So many questions. I love that they went ahead with it. Because that's my, that's my question. I'm like, okay, you know. They didn't just show that's the thing. They didn't just show up and be like, okay, here's a microphone and start talking, right? Like when a news story happens, the news reporters show up somewhere and it's just, you know, chaos. No, they had everything set up, which means that somebody had to arrive okay, so, there. So for, for those oh, listeners go, 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 go. who who don't who know don't what know. we're talking about. So uh, a few days ago, the Trump administration, uh, headed by uh, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani wanted to have a press conference talking about the voter fraud, uh, right. the, the results voter fraud that has been going on and what they were going to do to stop it. And Trump and a lot of people had texted that there was going to be a press conference at the Four Seasons at the Four Seasons Hotel at so and so time. This was, I believe, in uh, Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, it was, and, it was on, a, on a Saturday. Yeah. And so everybody was like okay. ready to go at the Four Seasons. And then these people come up. 
on TV. And then the press it's conference starts. Like really, like, I don't know. It looked like an eso, abandoned eso parece, gas station. Eso parece the section here in Miami of all the warehouses. Yeah, some really ugly place. And this is where the Trump administration was having oh, this very conference. serious like news conference right. right and it was at the four seasons landscaping company they had done an error in booking so here's my question to this so many questions so hi i'm calling from the white house right to, we book, went, to have a press conference you know did janie on the other side be like i'm gonna go along with this <laughs> i guarantee you she was probably like yeah okay uh-huh oh, okay a press conference you know what i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna fault the four seasons landscaping people right because you'd be like, okay, see, bueno, está bien, ven. I don't know. You show up, right? But I'm wondering the person who showed because they set things up. They put like a step and yeah. repeat. They had everything. The people who showed up, like did somebody at one point get there, like that first, you know, event coordinator get there and call and be like, did you mean the four seasons? Like, like Adela, será la misma que ocho que yo conozco, right? Like, it's like, um, we're here, but I don't think it's the right place. Like, did somebody make that call to try and clarify? And then they were told, I don't have time. Just do it. Just do it. And, and then, because that's how I can see that this may have happened. I'm going to go ahead and assume there was a breakdown in communication. I'm going to go ahead and assume as well, because I don't think that nestled ever so nicely between a crematorium and a porn shop is the ideal spot. Although... It is 2020. It is 2020. Why not? <laughs> they are trying to appeal to a larger demographic of voters. This is true. You know what? Why not? People that like porn like could be Republicans. That's like, also very weird to have a crematorium next to a porn shop. A rent is cheap in those parts of town. <laughs> that is true. You know, it's not like anybody's gonna give you know. Uh, the dead aren't review. gonna. The dead aren't gonna complain about the the ambiente in the porn shop. Exactly. So, so yeah, you know, they go ahead and make these allegations of voter fraud right. so in my personal instagram i earlier this week i posted a video because i had gotten a lot of um people dming me and asking me what i thought about the whole thing with the voter fraud and right. the election which i felt very flattered that people right, were right. coming to me to ask me this and i pretty much said which i i went into detail in my instagram video and i kind of touched upon last week in our podcast episode I think he should sue all 50 states. I think he should sue everyone. Sue, sue, sue. Why? Sue, sue, studio? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sue everybody. Sue everybody and their mother. La abuela, la vecina. Sue everybody. Because when you sue for fraud, you have to sue with... Your complaint has that particularity in it. And there's uh, five elements to fraud. Okay. So you have to specifically put instances of do you, do, you, do you know what they fraud. are? What the what the five what the five particularities are? Well, I'm not gonna go into like like for in, in no, 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 fraud no. intent intent uh, intent to defraud to defraud. I'm not gonna go into like okay each, okay you okay. know um that's like law school 101 in terms of fraud okay right there's five elements to fraud fraud is one of the hardest ones to prove right because you have to because plead you can't with just particularity. show up you can't just show up and right. be like fraud right you have to plead with particularity so for example okay. in this particular case you would say okay. In Pennsylvania, I'm suing the Pennsylvania state attorney or the elections department. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, there. here are my allegations of fraud. On November 3rd, there was a ballot of a person that was deceased. And this person's vote was counted in the general election. Attached here too to the complaint mm -hmm. is exhibit A of the ballot. Okay. Exhib you know, paragraph number two. 
Step uh, one, step two, step two, right, step sub, sub two. step A. Attached right. here to as exhibit B is a ballot of somebody who didn't live in the state and still was counted. Okay. Please see attached exhibit B. So that's why complaints sometimes have like 5,000 pages okay. because of all the exhibits. So if you're going to plead voter fraud, you have to show specific instances of firsthand fraud. Not, oh, I heard, or oh, I saw, or oh, they weren't letting me look through the window. That's not voter fraud. That's got not it. voter fraud. Got it, got it. Right? So I believe that as of the time we're recording this on Fig Friday, 12 of his lawsuits have already been dismissed. Yes, and I believe, and, and you obviously are more versed in this than I am, I believe that there are even some cases where there are GOP lawyers in the states, like representatives or GOP uh, well, attorney in, generals in, and things in, like in, that. In, who, both, in both Georgia and... And Michigan, was it? In um, both Georgia and in Arizona. Arizona. They are Republicans, and they're saying there's and no they're evidence. Saying there's no evidence of voter fraud, right? And they're Republicans, right? Right. Um, a lot of Republicans have already come. Um, Karl Rove, of all people. Wow. Has, yes, Karl Rove, Mitt Romney, um, a lot of other Republicans that I, I can't think of their name now have already said like, "Hey, like the writing's on the wall." Has the human skin tag said anything? Which one, Mitch McConnell? No, Mitch McConnell is like he said something that was like the whole battle scene. They scene. need to count the vote, and he has a right to investigate. So he, which he, well, does. he's not wrong, right? He right. He does. He has a right, and and honestly, I I do think he should sue. I think he should sue so he could get it out of his system. Right. So then, when all the courts dismisses action, which they will, right? They will. They, they twelve of them already have, right? Then now he's probably going to attack the courts. So now it's like oh. The courts of all these states, the judges again. The courts, everybody's against me, uh, as well as the counties and you know and mm-hmm. the state attorneys of each state and everybody. You know, is, is this grand conspiracy against me? Right, right, right. It's like, man, people don't have that much time, Donald, like, <laughs> or that really. much care. Right. Like, even, even the Proud Boys said yeah. they didn't care that much. Right. They did? Well, when the voter intimidation of the emails uh-huh. that the guy came out and he's like, it wasn't us because honestly, we don't focus our efforts on that. We don't care that much. So, so you know. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think there are some people, so, uh, some people, Republicans, who I think that when these cases get uh, dismissed, I'm talking about voters, Republican voters. Right. I think that for some of them, it's going to be enough and be like, okay, well. There wasn't any voter fraud. I think there's people who, no matter what, are well, going to believe it. Because there are people who can't... Ex- and this is the thing with, with a lot of people who are... And when I say people who are his supporters, I'm talking about, like, diehard MAGA people, right? I'm not talking right, about followers. your... I, right, I'm not talking about your average Republican, right? Um, who may vote down the ticket and not necessarily down the candidate. Um, there are oh, people... There are people... Sorry, one second. It's people who they cannot admit they're wrong because if they have to say that they are that that they are wrong, then they don't want to they don't want to accept what that implies in terms of having to reflect on everything else that they may have been wrong about. Right, because it's what I told you. And forget about some, politics. I'm talking some, about their life. Some episodes back. I'm talking about their life. The problem with this election, among the many problems, was that a lot of people were voting emotionally and not rationally. They were not voting for Trump or for Biden. They were voting to against win. Trump and right. against Biden. Right. And the people that were voting for Trump, they were going to win. They were right. going to win. And they were going to show everybody that they won because they're winners and everybody else is a loser, uh, you know, according mm-hmm. to the president. So it wasn't even so much about like rationality. Right. It was of like, I'm going to win. So right. so now, and, 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 and also with him, like he said he was going to do this. Like, 
Why are we? Uh, that's why I'm not surprised. He's been saying this for months since like 2016. Yeah, mind you, mail-in ballots have always existed. There were mail-in ballots yeah. during the Civil War, right? He himself has always voted mail-in, right? Right. So, and there has never been a, a mail a mail-in ballot issue. Why? Right. Because voter fraud in, the, in at the end of every election, there's always like an audit of voter fraud. Mm -hmm. And I think <clears throat> I've, I forget if it was after the midterm election of 2018 or the presidential general election of 2016, that the voter fraud was 0 0.0003. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there may be specific instances of voter fraud. Well, yeah. I mean, I was reading up on an instance in Georgia where they were investigating because I believe that like some lady who had died like a year ago right. was being, her, her, she had voted essentially. Right. That happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. It happens in every election. Uh, and the, and also there's probably instances where like what you were saying, it's not fraud, but it's a, you know, the, the, it, you forgot to sign your There your is voter vote. fraud in every election. Of course. But one thing is there to be specific individual <clears throat> cases of voter fraud. And, a, and another thing is a widespread A widespread epidemic. conspiracy of right. voter fraud along, you know, six, seven, eight states I will, that can overturn an election. I will say this, and it's, in, and you know, I'm not a big fan of her politically, Deborah Messing, but I did see a tweet of hers this week that somebody posted on Instagram um, saying, you know, Okay, so if all of these votes are are invalid, do we then also have to recount the ones where the Republicans won the Senate? Because well, that's what I was going to say. Because I, a, a second ago, I was going to say, oh, but I bet you they're not contesting, you know, where he won, where he won, where they flip right. seats or gain seats right. in Congress. I bet you they're they're not talking about those. Right, those are legitimate. Right, right. right. I think that a lot of people, because people keep asking, like, oh, you know, he, the writing's on the wall. He he lost. Why are people still clinging? Because I think that he showed that Trumpism is a movement. And now there's talk that maybe he could run for president in 2024. I was actually going to ask you. He can, theoretically, right? Because you can you can only serve eight Grover years. Grover Cleveland. But I'm saying you can only serve eight years total. Not doesn't have to be consecutive. Right. Grover Cleveland, 21 and 23. So if he was to run again, and let's say he wins, after that he can't run he again. Run. Okay, so you, right. you can't... You, it doesn't have to be consecutive eight years. Politically, it would be... Weird. Politically, it'd be... A disaster because you know from the moment you got elected that you're a lame duck. Right? Right. So from the moment you got elected, you know you're only serving four years. So that creates oh, that's that true. creates a set of um you know challenges that the only thing that could be good is if he runs as a third party, as his own party. No. It could be interesting. But, but, but no, but I, it could be interesting in the sense that it might open us up to accepting or the potential of a three-party uh no he's race. gonna run as a republican he's gonna run as a republican that's why so many republicans he, he's keeping score on who's with him and who's that's why mitch mcconnell hasn't has said what he has said in the way that he has said it yeah so he's keeping score and who knows what a mess it's gonna be but even if he loses it loses and is out of you know he mm -hmm. joe biden is becomes a president which he will mm -hmm. um He's not going to shut up, and his people are not going to shut up. Oh, his followers. oh, this is not. I mean, look, this is over in the sense of okay, next president, but it's not over. Oh no! And I will say this though: being a former president is so much better than being a president. He gets to be paid for for the rest of his life. He gets to criticar todo lo que quiere, and whatever happens is not my fault. Sign me up. Yeah. So yeah, let's see what happens. Um, I mean. I, I, 
it's so funny because people are like, oh, the Supreme Court is good. You know, people talk about the Supreme Court like if they wrote the doctrine and they wrote the rules, you know, but that's like everything else, you know. When people I, are all people are all political experts now who up until three years ago didn't I know told anything. You, when I heard people talking about packing the courts, yeah, it's like I went to law school. And I think I heard that term once. because I, I, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I had to look it up. It's something that has not been done in over 150 years. Right. And like most attorneys, most most people that studied law or political science don't even know what packing the courts is. But Pero people is were it? talking about packing the courts, like if they wrote the doctrine. <laughs> the Flores Act. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Flores. How many experts on the Flores Act did Oh, everybody. It? Oh, he's under the Flores Act. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like... Yeah, they became experts on packing the court. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, because Joe Biden's going to pack the court. That's what he's going to do. He's going to pack the court. I'm like, do you even know what that means? Like, or how to do that? Like, whatever. But, well, to continue this conversation. Yes, yes. So, we have with us uh, Stefania, Stefania Taladrid. I hope I pronounced her name correctly, um, from The New Yorker. And she actually she kind of shadowed you for a little bit, right? Shadowed um, me for while you were, days while you were on the campaign trail. She did. That's, uh, how, that's how, how you guys met. And she works for The New Yorker. And she's writing a, I'm sure she'll give us more detail, but you know, it, it's an article about essentially the Latino vote and how important it is and how it's impacted in this election uh, with a specific focus on Florida. So here's our chat. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey everyone, it's DJ. And it's not an exaggeration to say that 2020 has been literally just a little nuts, right? But that's no reason to let your nuts go wild. Bueno, Manscaped is here to help. Look, we've been telling you about Manscaped and their line of products all year long, specifically Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 hair trimmer. But they've got a lot more products for you down there. Manscaped's Crop Care Kit is the ultimate hygiene pack for your dirty bits. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop 
preserver ball deodorant. No explanation there. The crop reviver ball toner with a touch of aloe, you know, for smoothness and freshness. And the crop mop ball wipes for when you need a quick refresh, you know, after a long and steamy, humid day in Miami. And the foot duster, foot deodorant. Because, you know, us guys, our feet always kind of sort of stink. Unless you're always in chancletas like me. But anyway... All free of sulfates, dyes, and parabens, so your boys are in good hands. So use promo code PERO20 at manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping. 20% off to keep your balls fresh, huh? Bueno, pues claro. So visit manscaped.com today and use promo code PERO20 for 20% off the crop care kit or any other purchase. So welcome back, listeners. So as we said, we have with us today Stefania Taladria, a contributing uh, writer for The New Yorker. Um, she basically did something that I think only I have done, which is spend a hell of a lot of time with Darian while she was down here covering <laughs> the election. Um, so welcome That's to the show, great. Stefania. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great to be with you guys. No, thank you. It's it's great to have you. I know that it's kind of nuts. The election is, it feels like it's still going on, right? Like in, in some yeah. weird way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Still our president recognizes the outcome. Um, I think it's still yeah. going on. We're still, we're still in election hangover mode, as it were. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I know that, you know, one of the reasons that, that you came down here with, you know, the New Yorker was to write about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like the Latino vote in florida um i'm assuming with a focus to some degree in south florida just because of the cuban american element and all that um can you tell us what was the initial crux of of the angle that the story was going to take because actually we've been chatting a little bit and there's been a bit of a shift um but but what was the initial you know impetus to get you down here and and the new yorker's interest so the first story that uh, I was pursuing was about disinformation among the Cuban-American community. And um, I, I kept hearing from, from Carlos Odio at Equis Research, uh, you know, they're, they're a big research firm that focuses on the Latino vote, about a substantial shift among the post-95 generation, the post-95 Cuban generation, right? So we're talking about recent emigres who, who got to South Florida after 95, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. And so these were people who um, supported Obama in 2008, supported him again in 2012, and even voted for Clinton. And there's been a substantial shift um, in their support for the Democratic Party in the past few years. So essentially a shift of more than 30 points to the Republican Party. And so when I learned about that, I I frankly found that fascinating, and, and we wanted to learn more about you know, what was behind that shift, because there's a lot of talk about, you know, younger Cuban generation being much more liberal than uh, their elders, Um, and so that seemed to be kind of going against uh, what everyone uh, presumed, right? And so in the focus groups that Eki's research did, uh, they kept hearing about this guy, which I'm sure you know, uh, Odaola, right? Oh, yes, I wrote Uh, a piece on him, yeah. Yes, and um, they kept hearing about him, and, and he kept coming up, and, and a lot of these people kept just parroting some of his talking points, right? The fact that Biden was a communist, the fact that, you know, a victory, um, his victory would lead uh, the country to into the path of socialism. You know, all of these notions that are, of course, false, but, like, people tend to believe it, right? 
And so um, I went to the show and, and kind of looked into what was behind the shift. And of course, it doesn't just, you know, has to do with Otaola. I mean, there are so many other reasons behind this. Um, uh, but he's kind of a product of that shift. And, and that was the, 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 the first story that I did. And the second one was about um, Biden's support among the non-Cuban communities living in South Florida, the Latino non-Cuban communities. Because, you know, um, at, when I wrote this piece, this was um, towards the end of October, the campaign still disputed this fact, but it was pretty clear that the Cuban-American vote would, uh, was lost to Donald Trump. Um, and was disputing that. Yes, okay. I think they were, you know, they, they, and, and it's their job to do so, right? Because yeah. they, were, they, they, they were fighting for every vote, and of course they, they weren't going to recognize that or give up on, on, on the Cuban vote. Yeah, no se pueden dar por vencido, you know. Exacto, exacto. And so, but, but of course, the, the Puerto Ricans who, I, I don't think a lot of people recognize that the number of, of Puerto Rican eligible voters in Florida is actually bigger than the number um, of Cuban American voters in Florida, right? They just don't vote as frequently. Um, and, and they, of course, don't have as much, um, you know, of a political, um, I, I don't know. Shall we say? Yeah, I, I think that's right. That's exactly how the, the best way to put it. And so I started looking into these different diasporas, the Puerto Ricans, but also, you know, we're talking about more than uh, close to 20 diasporas, you know, the, the, the Mexicans, of course, uh, the Colombians, the Ecuadorians, and others, and, 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 and many of them are more democratic leaning. Mm-hmm. And so there, there was really an opportunity there for, for the Biden campaign to, to just capitalize on, on their support and, and appeal to them, right, uh, and make up for, for the losses among the Cubans. And so that was the second piece. And the third piece, which was um, TBD, based on, on the outcome of the election, uh, but ended up being about what went wrong um, in, in Florida. And it was it's a partial answer, because I think that we don't yet know um, exactly, you know, ex- what happened and what went wrong. And I think, I hope that this is a moment of reckoning for, for the Democratic Party in the state and a moment to really look into, you know, what led to such disastrous losses, right? Yeah, um, yeah the Monday morning what I, quarterback is going to take a while to get. To, to get the really? results. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what I kept hearing from, from members of the Latino outreach team uh, in the state was that they didn't have enough resources. And at the beginning, I mean, the first time that I that I heard about this, I was just like, what do you mean, right? And, and I said, what's your budget? And they would turn to me and say, like, no budget. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was just, I, I didn't even know what to respond, you know, because it made no sense to me because we were talking about one of the most important battleground states. Um, we we're talking about a team that was in charge of turning out 17% of the state's electorate. Wow. And they were telling me that, you know, they had no allocated fixed budget to work with, right? And this was the state in general, not just South Florida. Correct. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was pretty much the focus of the third piece. I, I conducted several interviews and gathered several documents from them, which proved the fact that um, not only did they not have a budget, but that they were pretty much begging for resources uh, for, for weeks, if not months. Um, and that the resources, when they came, they came in late. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, they were insufficient. Because if, if there's one thing we know about the Latino electorate is that we love to be courted, right? And we, we, and we like to be courted uh, with time and not just see kind of a last-minute effort that feels rushed 
uh, and incomplete uh, and in, ineffective, frankly. So that was the, that, 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 those, those are some of the stories that, that I've been pursuing here. Um, and there's so much more to say, right? I mean, it's, as you know better than I do, it's, it's such a fascinating state and it's so, so complex and the dynamics, the political dynamics are, are just yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's barely the highlight reel. I, I, I want to <laughs> go back to the, um, the whole issue with disinformation. Um, because we know there's disinformation on all fronts. What are you talking about? I just put bleach in my veins the other day, and I have COVID-free for. <laughs> what? What? You know? You know? You you've you've done your fair share of of investigating and, and and writing, and you know you've been around the world, so you know you're not, you're not naive to these type of things. What would you say in terms of disinformation specifically to Florida or even the Cuban Cuban community? What would you say surprised you the most? The fact that people believe those things, you know, I mean, it's, it's, the fact that, similar in other countries. Yes. Um, so there's, I mean, Spain is an interesting comparison, right? Because for a long time, the party for many reasons did not have a far right party. And, um, in the past few years, we've seen the emergence of a far right party called Vox. And um, a lot of what they do just focuses on disinformation, right? And they've scapegoated the immigrant community, and 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 they've they've tried to disseminate all sorts of false notions about you know immigrants and um, and and the, the 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 crime rates associated with them and others. But it's not it's not as intense. And as as systemic as it is here, right? Because here it's not just um, what you can find, say, on social media or what um, you know is exchanged via WhatsApp or these types of you know messaging platforms, right? When you tune into Radio Mambi, you hear the same notions, right? And so it's just, it's it's that's appalling to me. The fact that it's not it's not just about it. Again, I mean it's it's just you know, all of these different actors uh, from different walks of life who are just kind of all, you know, rallied around the same false notions. And, and, and it's, very, it's been very sad to see that at a time when we're living, we're going through a deadly pandemic, we're living through a recession, and yet, you know, the race in Florida has not been about policy issues, right? I mean, you have, you have hardly been about policy here. It's all about ideology and who's a communista and who isn't, right? And so I think that that has been the most powerful finding that people actually believe this and firmly so. And you realize that 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 at the end of the day, their reactions to to many of these debates are fundamentally visceral, right? That 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 you're engaging with people at an emotional level, not at a rational level. Yes, and it's you just, said that. Like, you know. Um, no matter how hard you try to present the facts to them and, 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 and have a, a calm um, conversation over just ground reality, right? And, and, it's, and it's impossible because the basic facts you can't agree on. And, and you know, I, I met, when I was reporting on that piece about Otaola, I also met with, with Gennady. I don't know if you, if, you, if you heard of him. He leads the website 23 Flyer. And um, that's essentially a project that um, what he's trying to do is counter 
that is information that's coming from people like Otaola, right? And so he has kind of like it's it's a new project and 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 it's a very noble one, right? And so they have some beautiful um, opinion pieces and 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 columns and others kind of with controversial issues, right? Like, nos molesta los cubanos de Black Lives Matter and things like that. And so instead of just, like, ignoring um, those issues, which which are thorny, incredibly thorny, right, trying to engage with them and get at the bottom of it, but but um, from a perspective of truth and reality, right? It's, I guess what's what's been most striking is just to see that many of the debates that we're having to seem... seem from the from the eighties and the seventies, right? I mean, it seems as if we weren't living in 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 twenty twenty. I don't know how it feels like for you guys. I mean, you're Cubans. How how do you experience that? Frustrating. Well, <laughs> look the the so the 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 attack of communism and socialism among Cubans has always existed. It's not new uh, because Democrats are socialists. That's it. Just uh, the other day, I saw this. Um, movie by a documentary uh called 537 votes by billy Clinton, who's a miami uh native and it's yeah. about the 2000 election and they talked a lot about the issue of ilian gonzalez and mm. you know that's an example i bring up that example because that was already 20 years ago believe it or not and you know in the documentary they show how anybody who strayed away from the conventional opinion that Ilyang should stay here and not be returned from to his father was a communist because that's mm. always that's something that has always um kind of been a defense mechanism if you will among the cuban community that if they don't you don't agree with them you're a communist what i had never seen for a presidential election was how not only did it reach the heights that it did but with the candidate that it did. Because, if, for example, Bernie Sanders, if he would have been the nominee, even if Bernie Sanders, we know that he talked about socialism as to the welfare state, not yeah. a form of government, in essence, yeah. uh, only mm -hmm. to the welfare state, I could have understood the mixed signaling a little bit more among the yeah. Cuban or Venezuelan community. But you're talking about Joe Biden, who has been in public service for over 45 years and had often was criticized by his own party for not yeah. being liberal enough. So right. I just found it, you know, fascinating, but at the same time, depressing and just frustrating that not only was it a, a major, you know, campaign of disinformation, but a completely made up narrative about this man. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, as Gennady told me when, when I was speaking to him, he told me, you know, in la ausencia del diálogo se extingue la democracia. And in the absence of dialogue, there's no democracy. And, and I also, I also think that, and I'm sure you, you, you definitely saw this in your coverage here that, you know, these people that were Trumpers, especially the Cubans who were so obsessive with Trump, you know, it wasn't about them being active Republicans and believing in, you know, conservative value, right. the conservative values or the more the conservative party. platform of the Republican Party and wanting to advance mm -hmm. those narratives. It was about Trump. You know, Trumpista, yeah. the same way that they were Chavistas and the same way that they were Fidelitas, you know, people that become obsessed with the person and the platform is secondary. 
It's yeah. it's about the person. So that's what I I'm, I'm sure you noticed that, but that's one of the things Definitely. that I find the scariest. And and I saw that very clearly when I was shadowing you, you know, at the different polling sites. And it was also scary because, you know, I, I don't know if it's if we can call it voter intimidation. You know, um, it's it's hard. It's a different category. It's a it's a tricky category, right? Because I, I do think that it keeps some voters away from the polls. Uh, just that, that level of vehemence, that level of vitriol, um, it's, it's, I have never seen anything like that, you know, just being shouted at and, and, and in some cases physically attacked just because you're supporting another candidate when you're trying to cast your ballot. Yeah. What country do we live in, right? Yeah. That's, that's something very palpable here, you know, and which I don't see in New York because obviously we're a blue state and, and, and demographics and everything and the politics are very different. But here, I mean, just the level of, of polarization among people is just something that's, that's very worrisome. And I think that it will be up to you to, to figure out how to, you know, build bridges. In your reporting, yeah, I, th- I know you said that they're still trying to figure it out, right? The Democratic Party is still trying to figure out, quote unquote, what went wrong. Have you seen anything at least initial initially to suggest you know what what constituted the change that they were seeing as you said in the post nine you know the post 95 exiles were leaning more democrat more democrat and all of a sudden it was just like whoosh you know completely is it just that rhetoric because it's one thing to have that rhetoric amongst you know the recent arrivals right shall we say but if you were born and raised here you know you you grew up with the trauma and you grew up with the rhetoric as we did but it's a little different. You know what I mean? You, you can't, you know, you're, you're speaking to people who didn't really firsthand experience. And in some cases at this point, we're already starting to get on second generation, you know, Cuban Americans, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think is the initial, I mean, is it just as simple as what you were saying? Like they just didn't spend enough money or, or they haven't figured out their own version of the secret sauce. So with the post 95 generation, something that's quite interesting is that um, someone made the case to me that, that this generation was very malleable. They come from a totalitarian system Mm -hmm. and they've been taught growing up that the way to succeed in life is to align themselves with power, right? And so um, there's this notion that they'll support whoever is in power. And so the Democrats were in power in 2008, the Democrats were in power in 2012, they supported Obama then, and then suddenly Trump comes in and they figure that you know, maybe their best bet is to support him too. And that may, again, I mean, there's so much, so much left to study that these are mere hypotheses, right? Right. But I think they're, they're, you know, they're grounded in history. They're grounded um, in, in, in some of the, you know, the, 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 the living experiences of, of these, um, these recent emigrants. And, and I think that's an interesting phenomenon, right? Um, the, the other point, too, is that, you know, this is a point that Guillermo Greni, the head of the um, Cuba poll at FIU, made to me. And he and when we were talking about this, he said, you know, one of the issues is that the Democratic Party is nowhere to be seen. And again, it was one of those answers that, that, that made me, you know, wonder, what do you mean they're nowhere to be seen? Again, we're talking about such an important state. And so the, the idea that Democratic Party would not have a strong enough presence here it was was very difficult to wrap my head around that, right? But it seems that you know Republicans have have a much more robust ground game in the state, uh, and that they they've been able to to groom voters in a way 
um, early on um, and, and to engage them in the political process and, and to give the sense that belonging, you know, the, the, that supporting the, the Republican Party comes with a certain sense of belonging for a recent immigrant, right? Um, and, and that they'll be, they'll be supported by the party the party will be there to protect them, right? And and if you and if you think about that, that's kind of what they're playing on at at at, at a rhetorical level, right? When they say, you know, we'll make sure that socialism never reaches the United States, nor does communism, and and we'll protect our democracy, our freedom, to make sure that you know nothing like what you fled uh, takes place here. Again, that's why. I've read a lot of articles that that when looking at this, just framed it from the perspective of, you know, look at Otaola, how how successful he's been, and he's behind this 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 shift. And I don't think that's 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 the case. You know, I think he's a product of the generation. He's a product of the shift, and he's been able to exploit it. And he himself kind of fits that profile very very well because he was a registered Democrat. And um, but again, I mean, when you look at this um, beyond the surface level, you realize that that there's a historical component behind this that you need to understand where these people are coming from, right? Um, and you need to also understand, you know, the ecosystem that they find when they come to South Florida. I think a big part of it, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of the day, is a big takeaway for others. I don't think necessarily for us is the realization that Latinos are not a monolith. You know, I keep, I keep mm. seeing that headline. And it's, again, like I say, it's not a surprise to us. You know what I mean? We know that Cubans are not the same as Mexicans, are not the same as Venezuelans, are not the same as Argentinos. Is not, you know, we have commonalities, you know, language, uh, you religion. know, r- religion, some of our, you know, just cultures, our, our, you know, certain things, of course. But, you know, you can't just to your what you even said earlier. It's like what you appeal to a Cuban is not going to work to a Mexican. You know, from a from a political message. And I think on some level, the belief, at least up until this year, and it'll probably the, the thought will probably go away because these revelations tend to only come and go when they're when you know yeah. they're relevant yeah. to the happenings. Is that yeah. oh, we can't just talk to all these people the same way? Frankly, tired of those headlines in a way. You know, I mean, and I I still see them if you look them up this year. You know, there are outlets who are still making the case, oh, Latinos are not a monolith, you know? Oh, it was all uh, over the place on election night on CNN, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, Florida, because it's a complicated vote. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, this year, for the first time in this country's history, we are the largest minority voting group, yeah. right? And the fact that we're still kind of, not we, but that, you know, the media and some of the leadership in the parties in the different parties are still thinking of us that way mm-hmm. is, is really surprising to me and quite disappointing, frankly, too. Because you'd think that, you know, given that we've been here for, for, for decades um, and, and that we're not first generation or second generation, right? And that, you know, we're still kind of grappling with these basic fundamental issues of, you know, are Latinos on the list? Well, of course not. And, you know, we've been... That's been the finding of every single election for the past decades, right? So the fact that we, we, we don't seem to get through those, you know, overcome those notions and and, um, and look beyond them is um, is something that I still, again, don't don't quite understand. And I think it, it has something to do with the makeup of the parties, too, and the lack of representation and the lack of Latino leadership, right? Because if you don't have a diverse leadership, 
then who who will be the people making that? I'm shocked, but not shocked with what you mentioned to us about the whole, you know, budget, you know, budget uh, analysis or lack thereof or lack thereof (laughs) that Florida had, because I'm starting to think I I just can't imagine a single political consultant in the world that would just tell them, like, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about Florida. We lost Florida. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Did Did the results from last Tuesday surprise you? Um, specifically of Florida. I knew Florida was going to go red. Um, I was hoping that um, Dade County stayed blue. Miami-Dade County stayed blue, which it did. But it stayed blue by a much larger margin than it did in 2016. By a much smaller margin, excuse me, than it did in 2016. So, no, it didn't surprise me because... The the Cuban community and specifically specifically and the Venezuelan community were they were enabled. I mean they were, yeah, they were ready activated. to go. They were activated. They were ready to go. They had their stuff together. Whether it was caravans, um, there were a lot of caravans or community events. Um, just to give you an idea here, um, Tropical Park is a major park here in Miami. Um, yeah. on very, a, very on a major very, thoroughfare on a very big street. Yeah. In the past four years, since Trump has been president, Sin every weekend, there are about 20 to 30 to 40, maybe even 50 people every weekend with Trump flags there. Yeah. Every weekend. For no reason. There's not a, an election year. It's Nothing's going on. But they have consistently been there. So and I I've never seen that before down here. No, ever. at all. So during elections, yes, but but not, but not just any random, not just like this is what we do on Saturday. And that has been <laughs> so so no no, and it wouldn't have surprised me if if um, Dade County Miami Dade County would have gone red. How your job as a reporter? I mean, I guess I know the answer to this, but to hear it, you know, specifically from you. You know, you're, you're a reporter for, you know, you work in part for The New Yorker, which is a such a staple to... It's an institution. You know, an institution. I mean, in, let's face it. Let's call it journalism. what it is. It is an institution. How difficult or how much more difficult is your job nowadays? In terms of what exactly? In terms, in terms of just reporting and people... People either not wanting to speak to you because you're media um, or you're, you know, news or fake news or, you know, even when you report something and you have sources and all that, uh, any blowback that you might get from just people mm-hmm. not wanting to accept what it is that you have to report. Oh, yeah. I mean, that comes up all the time, especially among Trump supporters. There's, you know, they don't trust the media. There's the sense that, especially, you know, the New Yorker, the New York Times, we're all, you know, far left outlets who um, do not, you know, report the truth. And that's what people have come to believe. So we're in a post um, media outlets era, right? Uh, and people just believe what they see on social media and others. And, and many just don't have trust in us anymore, right? And so it's 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 difficult because something that you think is um, is you know a means of introducing yourself to a source um, can actually you know have the opposite reaction, um, the opposite effect among them. And so it's tough. It's tough. And I think 
especially when you're trying to to be as neutral as possible and to report, you know, both sides of the story, right? And not just speak to democratic voices, but also get a sense of what's happening on the other side. Because a lot of people, again, specifically with Latino voters, they think, wow, if you're Latino and you support Trump, you must be crazy, right? And 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 I think there's, we need to be very careful with, with just thinking about his supporters that way and just, you know, um, thinking that they're not even worth engaging because who would support a president that has scapegoated their communities, humiliated them. But unless we, we try to listen to the other side and, and, and kind of try to understand what's going on and what's driving that, that support for the president, you know, again, we'll, we'll never going to, to be able to, to build bridges among groups. Right. And so it's, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, a lot of people just don't want to speak to you. Um, and you need to find a way to, to make sure that, you know, they feel at ease and that I, I always tell them that we have a very robust fact-checking process, which is true. And so that means that before we go to press, they'll hear from our fact-checking department and they'll know exactly what's going to put, right? Um, and that always puts them at ease because they kind of feel that they're a bit more in control of the content, right? Mm. But it's um, it's tough. I mean, they... they we're not respected anymore and, and, and we're much more blamed um, than trusted nowadays. Well, I can first and with firsthand knowledge say that Steph was out there interviewing people, talking to people on both sides, right. you know, and it was, it was great to see, you know, journalism in action happening right there in front of you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, well Steph, i know you're i know you're busy and you actually have a meeting coming up but before we let you go i have to ask you the question that you know all of our listeners want to hear uh-huh. what was it like shadowing darian you know <laughs> across across all those 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 polls you know did he was he a good miami representative did he bring you pastelitos de guayaba like you know did he do his his due diligence as a miami cuban american that's exactly the first thing we did, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We met in, in Kendall, right? That was our first spot. We met in Kendall, and then, you know, he had set up his tent there and was just waiting for his volunteers to show up. Um, you had been waiting for like an hour, right? Yeah, he got there at that early tent, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not dedicated, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Um, and so obviously there was pretty much no one else around there except us. And um, the first thing he said, you know, let me treat you to some pastelitos and some um, delicious coffee and from your dad. I, ha- I had to get the pastelitos in there. But, but you presented them to yes. the world of pastelitos. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and you know, I think what was most interesting about that is that you realize that volunteers are really on the front lines of all of this, right? I mean, we, they don't get as much credit as they deserve in a way because they're the ones who who must you know deal with the insults and 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 the vehemence of some of the trump supporters and the attacks also and and just make sure also that voters know what to do right and so the 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 level of responsibility that's attached to to that position is quite high right and 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 just thinking that we're we're in an election where a volunteer it's not just there to inform, but also to protect and also to protect him or herself from, from whichever attacks may come his or her way. It's kind of crazy, right? And it's something that we saw um, 
we saw when when we were in Westchester, when we were in Kendall, and um, and so you know, I mean, my my deepest admiration to these people, right? Because they're they're the heroes of the story in a way, um, and and especially again, we can't forget that that we're in the middle of a pandemic still, right? And so just being there, they're exposed to to criticism, to insults, to to a lot, and on top of that, to infection, right? And so it's it's not it's not an easy job, and 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 especially given the the political conditions, um, it was made all the all the harder. Um, but it was wonderful to see that these people were just you know unrelenting, um, and and were there every single day at five forty five eating pastelitos, having you know. <laughs> I love that the, 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 the cup of coffee with the with the secret that said cafe <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you know voters owe all a great deal to them. Um so it was it was a very, very, very fun experience. Well, it was great having you. It was great having you and I I, I loved it because you know, it's it's not every day you get to have like a really like intellectual conversation. Yeah, he was like, I met this really cool, you know, this really cool person named Steph. She works for the New Yorker and we're totally having her on the show. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, send me her, her text and we'll coordinate something. You know? Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. No, so thank you so much for stopping by. Um, so all of your articles are currently available uh, to be read at thenewyorker.com, uh, I'm assuming. And they can probably find it just by looking up your name. Like if they do a search on The New Yorker, your articles okay. will pop up. And just like yeah. those, I'm sure you've got many, many, many other just as fantastic uh, articles on The New Yorker that they can find. Thank you. Thank yes. you again. And, and you know, safe travels back to New York because I know you're still in Miami, but safe travels back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to speak with you. And we're back. Yeah. So you saw her like, you know, on the floor, like in the trenches. What what was it like to watch somebody, you know, cover our our fair city that way? Like, you know, in, in the midst, because you, you were exposed to like a lot of just media coverage going on all around you. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Steph is... Um... She's a very cultured person. Mm -hmm. um, she is of Mexican uh, descent, but mm -hmm. she's lived in Europe. I think she was uh, raised in um, in Spain or in, in some part of Europe. She's lived in New York. Mm -hmm. She's lived in a lot of places. She's a very cultured person, so she, you know she's seen her fair <laughs> share of, of, of craziness. Um, but you know, I, I explained to her. I tried to explain to her the best that I could. You know the. The Cuban, especially the nuances. Uh, of, of being Cuban, why Cubans are so anti-socialism and right, communism, right. but at the same time trying to make sense of this. Right, right, right. Uh, which makes no sense. You were trying to pack like 60 years of experience into yeah, a day. So, I mean, but you know, she's a professional, so <laughs> she, she's seen her share of crazy. Yeah, so, I'm sure. Um, you know, but it was great. It was great because she and her her boyfriend are amazing. So I, I, he, he's awesome. I had... A lot of conversation with him, like very good conversation with him as well. And, um, you know, it was just very kind of refreshing, refreshing to see such, you know, cultured and professional people. And um, so thank you, Steph, so much. Yes, I can't, for I stopping can't by. wait to read the article. So no, that's true. Your name's going to be in the New Yorker. Bitte, Look bitte, at you. Bitte. Wait till I tell Esther. Bitte. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your son who's a doctor. Mine's in the New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I want to give my last soda to... Um, it's this lady named Martha C. Gonzalez. Okay. Um, she passed away a couple of weeks ago. 
or some time ago. And I, I want to like give the last soda to her and to the moment mm -hmm. that she gave everybody because now especially, you know, that we're so divided over this election and people are just so bitter and the thing with COVID, I think it was a beautiful, it was a tragic but beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the video that went viral this week of the lady with Alzheimer's who is a ballerina. Oh, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, well. When we finish here, you're going to see okay. it. So it's this video that went by viral of this woman who had very advanced Alzheimer's. She actually passed away already. Um, very, very advanced Alzheimer's. And she was a ballerina and she did Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. And when they played the music for her, she knew all the movements. She just went back there. She just went back there. She did all the movements, the hand gestures, everything. Wow. According to time, according to the song. Wow. And it was amazing because here she was, she had... Yeah, know, she has Alzheimer's. I mean, yes, it's... advanced it's, Alzheimer's right. and and this happened. And I just think it, it um, you know, the video went viral and people responded to it. Uh, it, it just was a very human moment mm -hmm. in, um, in a time where we're not seeing a lot of humanity. Right. So I just wanted to give uh, a Coke, a refreshment, and acknowledge that uh, moment because, mm -hmm. you know... As I always say, it's moments like that that as bad as things are sometimes and you're like, oh my gosh, we're doomed. Um, you know, there's always like little moments you find that it's like, oh wow, the human, you know, yeah. as as terrible as we can be, we can also be quite wonderful. So Yeah. Well, I also picked for my last soda somebody who demonstrates, I think, the, the strength of the human spirit and determination. Um, my last soda is going to a gentleman by the name of Chris, and I hope I pronounced his last name properly, Nick, Nickich, it's N-I-K-I-C. Um, so he is actually uh, the first person with Down syndrome to compete in Ironman Triathlon. Oh, yes, I did see that. This kid, or this, this, this man, I don't know his age, he is a Special Olympics athlete, a Special Olympian. He... Finished a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 marathon run in Panama City Beach. Uh, that's where the Ironman Florida competition was. I get winded when I swim to the other side of a pool. So this kid, like, you know what? He's he said that's what I'm gonna do, and that's my goal, and and he achieved it. And you know, similar to what you were saying, it's it, those are the moments we have to look at as a as a society you know look at look to the human moments and the, those moments of human accomplishment you know because yeah. this kid's this guy's got down syndrome mm -hmm. how many times in his life must he have been told oh you'll never you do can, that yeah you can do that you'll never no, do that no no you'll no, never no. do that and basically he went around giving everybody the middle finger not only did he do it and he did, did it. something that most people can't do yeah forget down syndrome yeah like you and i haven't done an iron man no i've had an on bed uh, yeah. But I've never done that's an Ironman. That's, that's as close as it's going to get, yeah. you know? And he went and he did it, you know, despite what I'm sure were various people, you know, in his life telling him, no. Say, the closest we've gotten to an Ironman is wanting to compete on the obstacle course of Double Dare. Yes. <laughs> or when I go to the comic book shop. And even that's challenging. And even that's challenging. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That that mouth thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah. So, you know, Chris, Chris Nickich. Yeah, and I, I hope I pronounced it I hope I pronounced it It was properly. quite the accomplishment. Yep. So. so that is the end of episode 135. 
Yes, everybody. That was a full packed one. Yes, so, had a lot to talk about. As always, we hope everybody listened, laughed, and learned. And remember to grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your cafecito. And thank you for joining us, everyone. Have a great weekend. Have a great Friday. Happy Friday, Pero Friday. Woo-hoo! See you all next week. We didn't see next week. Bye. Bye. Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.